Hello, and welcome to episode 159 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And today we're going to do Kamigawa Neon Dynasty Mechanics. Yeah, the um, the last couple set review episodes that we've done have gone a little long, uh, to say the least. And I think part of that is because we were trying to do the mechanics in the episode, and then there was also a lot going on in the last few sets. So I think that we're going to pull the mechanics out of that episode and talk about them in a different episode to hopefully save future us a couple hours staying up late next week. Um, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> but, but there is a lot going on in this set as well. Yeah. These mechanics are also like they have a lot more moving parts. See what I did there? Moving parts. Yeah, like robots and stuff. <laughs> um, the normal mechanics do. So I think there's also like a little bit more to talk about than normal. Like, I mean, talk about reconfigure versus like devotion. There's a lot more knobs to turn and like fiddly bits with reconfigure than there is to counting mana symbols. So we'll, we have more to talk about also. So yes. I think we're going to do that this week. Yes. So if you want to tweet at us, especially for next week, cards you're interested in seeing or um, uh, mechanics, you think things we would, you want us to go over again, where you might, we might've like not got it for you. You can get at us on Twitter at casual tripod. Yeah. You can also hit us up on Facebook at casual tryhard MTG. Or you can email us, show at casualtryhardmtg.com. That was a good point you made. I forgot to mention that. That uh, for our set review episodes, we like to make sure we're talking about the cards that you guys want to hear. So, you know, maybe don't make a list of 20 cards you want us to talk about because then we won't have a chance to talk about anyone else's cards. But if you got a couple cards you, wanna, you want our opinions on, uh, be sure to let us know either on Twitter, on Facebook, or through the email, or in our Discord channel. Um, we had a whole bunch of people join the channel this week, so welcome all the new people in the Discord channel, and post up in there if there's anything in particular that you guys want talked about. Um, there should be a room for show ideas uh, channel in there, so hop in there and let us know what you want to hear about, and uh, we'll talk about it. If you want to join the Discord, if you're not in there already, there's a link in the description, and there's a link on all our social media as well. If you guys are looking to pick up any singles from either on pre-order or from sets that have recently come out, um, be sure to use our TCG Player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Anything you purchase after following that link will help keep the show going. They kick us back a little bit if you use our link. Um I think that with the double feature just coming out, uh, that product isn't getting super well uh, reviews or super good reviews or it's not being well received. So I haven't looked at the prices of those cards yet, but I would expect them to be kind of cheap. And also because they're just reprints of sets that are currently in print, it's probably going to drive down the prices of Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow. So if there's anything that you guys haven't picked up from those sets, uh, prices are probably going to be suppressed for the next couple weeks. It might be a good time to build your collection out a little bit. So keep that in mind as well. 
If you want to support us a little bit more directly, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Patrons get early access to our show notes. I usually post them up the day before the show goes live, so you get kind of a sneak peek of what we're talking about. Also, for episodes like this one, where there's a lot going on, um, I have some of that stuff spelled out in the show notes as well if you want a reference for it. So if you're a patron, you get access to that. You also get access to our pre-show. That's what we've been doing for the last hour is our pre-show where we make sure all our equipment is still working and uh, none of the settings have been changed and kind of talk about us a little bit, some magic thrown in there. But you never know what we're going to talk about. And uh, we got a lot of patrons that like almost look forward to our uh, pre-show more than our actual show. So if you want to check that out, head on over to our patron, uh, kick in a couple bucks, whatever you can Whatever you can do, we would appreciate and get access to all that stuff. Also, uh, if you sign up for Patreon, make sure you send me a message with your address. Um, I forget who it was, but somebody signed up and I sent them a message asking for their address and they never got back to me. If you send me your address, you get put on my mailing list so that when I do the givebacks, I can send you swag. Um, probably won't be till like towards the end of february the next one will go out but if you want in you, i need your address so i forget who it was i should have done a better job but i'll uh, i'll send that person another message before i do the next get backs anyway um we also have our youtube channel uh casual triad mtg on youtube i haven't decided <clears throat> oh excuse me i haven't decided if i'm gonna uh keep doing the box openings um I think I'm kind of over buying sealed product and the YouTube channel is not doing enough to warrant me buying sealed product. I think I'm just going to buy singles. Um, regardless, either way I go, I'll try and make a video. If I do get some sealed product, I'll record it for the channel. Or if I just buy singles, I, I will try to do a video um, with me, like how I get my order together, how I pick what cards I'm going to buy, that kind of stuff. So... Hopefully there'll be something along those lines going up. Um, and we will also have our set review episode, next week's episode, where we talk about whatever cards you guys want to talk about. Uh, normally we record that like live video. We do a video call and have like a slideshow going with the cards that we're covering so that you guys can kind of follow along with us. And that'll go up on YouTube as well. Um, so make sure you check that out. And then normally I do a sealed kit opening for pre-release i'll buy one of the pre-release kits bring it home open it up on camera uh kind of walk you through my process a little bit of how i how i build a sealed deck kind of teach you some of the basics um so if you're headed out to pre-release i'll try and get that up before pre-release starts it, it might be kind of close but i'll try and get it up before pre-release starts so you guys have a little bit better of an idea of what you're going to do at pre-release as well um I think I covered everything for that kind of stuff. We, I mentioned we did have a whole bunch of people join Discord. So thank you for everybody that joined Discord. Um, bunch of super cool people in there that are always more than willing to help out if there's a, a deck you want some advice on or if you got a rules question or just to kind of talk about magic or whatever. Um, so if you're on the fence about joining, head on over and hop in the conversation and we got a couple new patrons this week Ooh. so i want yeah i wanted to thank alfred and dylan for signing up i believe they both signed up this week so thanks thank alfred you. and dylan we appreciate it 
And also, I can't remember if we thanked Dan. I don't know if we did or not. Yeah, Dan signed up the beginning of January, and when I was going through to grab these guys' names, I couldn't remember if we thanked Dan. So thanks, Dan, too. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. All right. So with all of that stuff, we have uh, a bunch of mechanics. Um, uh, so my computer's like, do you want to restart now? And I'm like, no, computer. Uh, no. <laughs> not so we, now. Not now. Uh, so we have a bunch of mechanics to go over. Um, you can, uh, we'll we'll put the link in, if I remember, I'll put the link in the show notes to the actual uh, Wizards page that has their explanation. The article, but, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going off of that, and uh, since some of these mechanics are returning, uh, mm-hmm. we can go off of our experience with them, though, as, as noted, one of the mechanics is returning, and no one has ever used that mechanic outside of Kamigawa Block Limited, uh, ever <laughs> so it's 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 new to all of us so yeah. the first one is a new mechanic and uh you had in here uh can we compare it to living weapon and i think it is just like a a take on the living weapon mechanic and yeah, this is okay. it works a little bit differently but it's yeah i think we can make comparisons for play patterns yeah it's it's like a spiritual successor, if you will. And yeah. this is a reconfigure. Yeah. So the these are artifact creature equipment. So they are both creatures and equipment in your deck. Mm-hmm. And when you cast them, I think they are both equipment and creatures on the stack. They should be. It's mm-hmm. on the card, right? Yep. So if there's a card that's like counter target equipment, you could counter this, or you know, you can also essence scatter it. You can target right. a you counter a, a creature spell, and when it's on the battlefield, it is a creature. If mm-hmm. it's not equipped as an equipment to another creature, so that was the one question that I had that wasn't answered in the article and i'm waiting for the comp rules update to get clarification on it um the reconfigure keyword replaces the equip keyword so these equipments don't have the equip keyword no so does that make is the creature still equipped if it's reconfigured because it doesn't have the equip keyword oh i see what you're saying um yeah, so I guess I, it is akin to being equipped, but yeah, so let's say a, uh, well, let's say that there's a, a creature that's like, I get plus one, plus one, uh, when equipped, I would think mm-hmm. since this is equipment and it's now on the creature, that creature it's is equipped. equipped. Right, but I think you're probably right that let's say something like pure steel paladin, that's mm-hmm. like you your equip costs become zero. Right, right. Well, it's not an equip cost; it's a reconfigure cost. So yeah. that's so not that going to get work. reduced. What about wasn't there a dwarf in Keldheim that like ETB'd and attached an equipment to like a dwarf or something? Maybe. Would that um, there, work, even though, like... 
I think it's I think it's, it's, a, it's a different thing, right? So I think because it's not, like you said, it's not the actual equip keyword, then it doesn't count as being, like, those things wouldn't work. So, yeah. like, the other, the other thing is that, um, like, it's a creature. It is. When it's on the battlefield, it's just a creature. Yes. And the reconfigure keyword is what makes it stop being a creature. Yes. And you can't have a creature equipped to a creature. Correct. So you couldn't use like this, like some sort of snap on effect to equip it because it's a creature and it hasn't lost being a creature because you didn't reconfigure it. Yes. I think is how that works. Like I said, I, I got to wait for the comp rules update to uh, to clear that up for me. Yeah, in terms of like... So I think that... Oh, what is the card from uh, Zendikar? The new Zendikar. Like, uh, plus two, plus two, and you get to equip a warrior. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't think this will let you equip it. Right? Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, Isn't there a card that, like, puts an equipment from your hand into play, like, attached to a creature also? Uh, in standard, I'm not sure, but, like, Sigarda's Aid, I, I don't think you would let you equip. Yeah. Um, so, you can... What we do know for sure is, is a creature on the battlefield... You can pay its reconfigure cost and you can attach it to another creature. Mm -hmm. And now it stops being a creature so they can't like lightning bolt your uh, whatever. Your your reconfigure card because now it's no longer a creature. Yep. Right. Um, Now something that is like weird is right. A lot of times when we attack with uh, creatures that are equipped, we turn both the equipment and the creatures sideways right Right. but technically that equipment isn't tapping so what reconfigure can do is now you can pay the cost after combat Mm -hmm. and take your reconfigure equipment off and get the creature back so you can buff your your uh creature attack Mm -hmm. with it then take the equipment off and have an untapped blocker for the way back. But what's, is Mm -hmm. there like any downside to that? Uh, yeah. So like if the, if the creature that you attacked with had been blocked or dealt damage in some way and you unequip or you unconfigure, that's weird. Yeah. You unconfigure the equipment or I guess reconfigure it again back into a creature if that reduces the attacking or the attacked creature's toughness down below, like what lethal damage would be, that creature is going to die. Yeah. So you just have to be careful because I think we've all done something like that. Yeah. It's probably easier to do in paper than it is on arena because you're going to see like how much damage is marked on it. Yeah. Actually, no, it might be kind of tough on Arena, too, because it actually changes the toughness number. Yeah. It doesn't just say, like, three. Yeah. It, like, makes it, like, one. And you're like, oh, it's fine. And you take off your plus one, plus one. And you're like, yeah. oh, no. Yeah. I done goofed. <laughs> yeah, so, so just be careful of that. 
So the reason we compared it to Living Weapon is Living Weapon is you have an uh, an equipment, and when it comes in the battlefield, it makes a creature to stick itself on. Yeah. So it's an equipment that is kind of a creature because it makes a creature. So like Batter Skull is five mana equipped creature gets plus four, plus four, lifelink and vigilance. Well, when you play it for that five mana, you get a creature to attach it to. So Battle Skull is kind of just a five mana, four, four, lifelink and vigilance. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is, if like one of these is like Batter Skull, this would be like the reverse where you pay five mana for a four, four, lifelink vigilance and yeah. then could reconfigure it and put it on something else. And then get that creature back. Where with Living Weapon, it makes a creature and sticks it on it. But the creature that is made is a 0-0. Zero, zero, so if the equipment leaves, that creature dies. So you like can't move it yeah, back and get that. Yeah, you can't ever re, like, reconfigure it. Or, yeah, you can't take yeah. it off and get like a blocker back. Yeah. So it is kind of a like flipped um, idea of that. Where it's like, oh no, it's, it's a creature. And then you can make it an equipment, and then you get the creature back. Mm-hmm. So it's neat, but um, I don't know. It seems reasonable as yeah, like I, a... I mean, I think it's super cool. It's uh, I think it's a great limited mechanic. It makes for, like, combat mattering more. Yeah, right. And, you know, the fact that you can take it off, like, you can, like, Voltron up, and, you know, the Voltron does feature prominently in this set uh you can voltron up a creature and then peel off some of the the buffs to get um to like get blockers back and this also and living weapon did this too this also fixes a a thing that's bad about equipment and limited not having something to stick them to exactly it's the same way like if you have a bunch of auras and then right you have a bunch of pants but nothing to put the pants on Yep. Right. This is like, oh, I am both pants and a thing that wears pants. <laughs> These are sentient pants. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> could have you could have a, an entire deck with no creatures, just like reconfigure equipment. Yeah. And, you know, just stick them all to the same piece of equipment. Yeah. You just always would have like you're like, OK, how big do I need a thing to be? How much mana yeah. do I have? Let me build the creature that i need in this situation from all these little parts Mm -hmm. which is kind of neat yeah one of the things that kind of struck me when i was reading about this um new keyword new ability new mechanic for this set whatever is something that they talk about on limited resources pretty regularly where like a common theme of good draft environments have some way to break up board stalls. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a, a, it doesn't solve all of the problems of a board stall, but I think this can work towards helping board stalls as well. Because if you can like make your guy big, you can kind of attack at will and then peel your stuff back off to save as blockers. So yeah. you don't die in the crack back. And, you know, you have control over the like, well, they marked five damage on it. I can only peel these two things off, but like you know what you're what you're gonna have. It's yeah. kind oh, of 
Okay. I was just going to say there's one important thing that we didn't talk about, and that's that um, reconfigure equipment acts a little bit like bestow in original Theros, where if the creature dies, um, it turns back into a creature. Like it yeah. falls off and it's a creature again. I was just going to bring that up. So I was going to say it's kind of like... Uh, like where mutate, you could like Voltron up one thing, but mm-hmm. that pile acted like a single game object. So if it was bounced, right. you bounced all five creatures that were in your mutate pile back to your hand. Yeah. This, it's okay. You bounce the creature, and then all the equipment just like you said scatter and are just back yeah. to being creatures again. Yep. So yeah, I guess bestow the bestow mechanic. Is a is a good um Yeah, I don't know I don't know how many of our listeners played through original Theros, but Yeah. Yeah, so I was gonna say too, like, uh we could be dating ourselves with Theros references, which seems wild. <laughs> but uh yeah. So I mean, that was like seven years ago. I know. Eight years ago. Holy so, moly. So you don't have this situation where there's not as much risk where yeah you pile all this stuff up and then your thing dies. You're left with a bunch of blockers. If it died in combat yeah. or, you know, uh, if you returned it to your hand somehow, uh, yeah. right. You, you're left with a bunch of blockers. You're like, you're not just like, Oh, all of my stuff went away. Yeah. So. I think like most of this reconfigure stuff, I think was smaller bodies. Yeah. I don't think like I've seen I, anything I big. Yeah. So it, a lot of them like add abilities, like a little power and toughness bump, but abilities I think is the main thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're gonna, you know, have an equipment fall off a creature that died and then like be able to eat something in combat for the most part. Um, that new scoos is pretty good, but yeah, they say the, the red one is a one, one with double strike. Yeah. But then when you equip it, it only gives double strike. Yeah. But I mean, there's like, uh, gosh, what is it? Bronze plate bore, which is the uncommon. It's a yeah, three plus mana three plus two. and trample. Yeah. So it, it just basically puts its entire self. Like it is bestow almost. It's like here yeah. is exactly the stats. And you're going to, so it kind of changes from thing to thing. But yeah, by and large, they are. They are, for the most part, smaller. Yeah. All right. So next up, we're putting we're putting things on our creatures. So they decided to reward us for that in another way, and that is through this new mechanic that is called modified. Yeah. If any of you guys played through Dominaria, um, I think you can think of modified a lot in the same way that you could think of historic where historic was a keyword that kind of grouped together legendary things, um, artifacts and sagas and modified groups together. Anything that's equipped enchanted or has, uh, any sort of counters on it. Yeah. And then the things that reference modified don't really make things modified they just care about things that are modified a lot in the same way that historic 
didn't make things historic. It just cared about things that were historic. Like if you controlled a historic thing, you got this effect. Modified yeah. is if you control a modified thing, you get this effect. Yeah. So it, it's just like taking taking uh, things that already exist in the game, you know, like I said, artifacts, legendary things for historic and being like, now these matter for this mechanic. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's always been creatures with counters and enchanted creatures and all these things. And now we're going to pay you for that. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can, like I said, it can be a creature that is equipped. So like if you reconfigure something onto your creature, right now it's equipped, now it's modified. Well, I mean, that was one of the questions I had though. Is what does that count as being? Oh, does it count as being equipped? Um, they I'm gonna guess so because it would be awkward to have like this thing that's equipment sometimes in the same set as something that cares about being equipped, but it didn't count for modified. But like, yeah, the way it was spelled out in the article, I d it doesn't work that way. Okay, I, I would have to wait for. I'm pretty sure that that's the way it does work. It wouldn't make any sense for it to work the other way around, but we'll have to wait for the rules update. Yeah, because like to spell it out for me. Because like even like a regular equipment, you attach it or you unattach the equipment, right? So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Well, I you, you equip and unequip. What's Okay, you equip and unequip. All right. And the reconfigure things, the wording they're using is attach and unattach. So Okay. At least in the in the like the article. Yeah. But we will assuming that reconfigure counts as being equipped because again yeah. it would be weird if it didn't. Here's all these equipment and then uh so if things are equipped, if things have auras on them, now if they have auras you have to control the aura. Yeah, so if you had a creature that somebody like put a pacifism on, that wouldn't count towards being modified. You have to control the aura. Yeah. Um and then any kind of counter. Yep. And it doesn't matter who put the counter on the creature. Or what kind of counter it is. Could be plus one plus one, could be minus one minus one, could be um, a loyalty counter, like if you have a Gideon or a Sarkon that's turned oh. into a dragon, um, like any of those things work. Uh, I was going to get really specific. Minus two, minus one counters from Pestilence. Not sure. Pest yeah. No, yeah. Pestilence. <laughs> I think that's what, not, pe yeah. No, not Pestilence. Can, pestilence. Is it can, whatever contagion. the, Contagion, the, the pitch yeah. alliances card. There you can go super yeah. deep. Yeah. yeah. It uh, could be a minus O minus one counter for um Wall of Roots. Druid. Oh yeah, yeah, Wall of Roots. Yep, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, we uh we had some weird counters back in the day, boys <laughs> and girls. Weird yep. counters. Um and only glass beads to track them all. <laughs> um different colors though. Different colors, yeah. So this is just gonna pay you for stuff that you were gonna probably end up doing anyway. Yeah. And this is one of those that feels super like a limited mechanic. I can't imagine like playing like a modified deck in constructed unless there's like some ridiculous payoff that they haven't shown us. Well, 
So I think that's a little bit unclear. One of the things, and this is kind of talking about this, the set in general, not really the mechanics, but it looks like there's a lot of Enchantress pieces in this yes. set. So if you're, like, if you can kind of cobble together like a Boggle-style deck or a Voltron deck, um, like Modified could be a decent payoff for that deck if, you know, we have a decent payoff Modified card. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think you can build a deck around Modified. It would be, like I said, like a Boggles deck or something that has a decent payoff for Modified. Um, so next up, we have uh, Sagos. Yeah, they're back. They're back. Um, real, real quick, just... Uh, so... First sagas, neat. Mm-hmm. Now I just feel like they're like every other set. Like you, you want some, you want some more sagas. You want, you want to hit. You liked them last time. Mm-hmm. Here's more. I mean that's all right. Like the sagas are cool. Eh. I think they're they're an interesting. They add something to the game. I mean, it's not like they're just putting them in willy nilly. Like we've had good sagas every time they've printed them. And they're they're kind of changing what they do a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird that it was like a thing that we like never had, mm-hmm. and then it was like, oh, now they're just like they're evergreen and like evergreen to the to the point where it's like, have we had a stand? Like, have they just put them in every winter set? Um. No, we didn't have them in Ravnica. Theros had them. Then Kaldheim had them. Right, but Throne now, didn't. Well, isn't Throne the fall set? So, like, it was thrown oh, into, into Theros, and Theros had Sockets. And yeah, then... There but then were... before that, like, Guilds would have been the winner set, and that didn't have them. Well, I think that when... They came up for Dominaria. They weren't sure. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll And then it was like, oh, people seem to like these. So mm-hmm. now it seems like every winter set is the Saga set. Well, like they've kind of made sense when they used them, though. Like they made sense when we got them in Dominaria because they tell a story. Yeah. And then they made sense in Theros because, again, they tell a story. And, you know, Theros is kind of enchantment themed. And then Kamigawa's all about stories. Yeah. So, so it's not like they're just throwing them in for nothing. Like they're it, serving it, a purpose, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like there's just like... A lot of them. A lot of them. Um, all right. So same thing as before. You have three chapters. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the soccer comes into play, you put the first lore counter on, you get effect. Mm-hmm. You... On your next turn, you draw, and at the beginning of your main phase, r- immediately after you draw, you get a lore. You get the next lore counter, and you get the effect. Yep. And then the last time around, you uh, when you get your third lore counter, typically on the old sagas, you would get an effect and sacrifice a saga. Now the effect is you exile the saga and flip it over mm-hmm. and you get 
an enchantment creature. Yes. I think they're all enchantment creatures. They are, yep. Right. And for the most part, the creature that you get has maybe some loose like its abilities or texts have some loose association with what the saga was doing. Yeah. Not always, not it's not always super strong. Sometimes it's just like, I'm a two-two flyer. Yeah. Right? But other times it's like, oh, you made rats and now I steal rats. Mm-hmm. Right. That card's so, kind of cool. I like that card. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so like, it's a different thing. And yeah. since they exile to flip, the creature you get is summoning sick. It is. And which, it counts as entering the battlefield. So it would trigger a soul, uh, a, a Luminarch Aspirant, right? No. Yes. Uh, is that the guy? Um... No, Luminarch Expirate is the plus one plus one counter. What's what's the uh the the one one with disturb that you gain a life when it prosperous innkeeper. A prosperous innkeeper, that one we know that it would uh, trigger a prosperous innkeeper. <laughs> yeah. Um These also will not transform like Innistrad cards. So if you have some what was it like Moon Mist or something transforms cards it won't transfer it won't flip these okay and day night won't flip these yeah they're only flipped based on their their uh, lore counters yep um one thing that this does mean though is if you have like a thassa deep dwelling out where you blink something at the end of your turn if you blink the creature it will revert to the saga Yes. It it comes back in with its front face up. So if you have, you know, you've worked through the chapters of the saga, you have a creature. If you blink it, you get to start your chapters over again. Yes. So keep that in mind also. Um So I don't think a whole lot of new ground here. I mean, the flipping is like basically your your third so- your third chapter is always like get a creature. Yeah, I'm pretty sure all of these have um, creatures on the back. I think the third chapter for every saga in this set is exile it, bring it back in as a creature. Yeah. Um, Next up is the mechanic everyone knew was going to come back. (laughs) I think it's the one that everyone's excited for, too. Yeah, and that is ninjutsu. Yeah, so I think it was like two or three weeks ago. Uh, Gavin did a video on his Good Morning Magic show or whatever about ninjutsu and talked about a whole bunch of tricky stuff you can do with ninjutsu. So, spoiler alert, a lot of this stuff I pulled out of like that video. I expanded on it a little bit in some places, but um, hope maybe Brian can put a link in the description to this video so you can watch it as well. Or if you just go to like the Good Morning Magic on YouTube, you can you can watch that video. It was pretty good, and I learned some stuff from it. Um, but Ninjutsu is an activated ability on creatures that you use while the creatures are in your hand. So Ninjutsu doesn't really do anything once the creature's on the battlefield. You activate it while the creature's in your hand. Um, so the fact it's an activated ability means it can't be countered. So you're not casting right. the creature. You're just using its activated ability. So you can Pithing Needle Ninja of the Deep Hours, right? 
you can. Yeah. Okay. Even though it's in your For hand. Sure. Correct. Yeah, Pithing uh, Needle works on cards in your hand. Yes. Good times, Pithing Needle. <laughs> um, so that's... First thing is, like, you're not casting it. So, like, if they ninjutsu it, like, your essence scatter does nothing. Right. They'd need, like, a disallow. Yes. Something or, that counters an activated ability. Yeah, or what's the... Does it lead... Not... There's Nimble a, Obstructionist. Yeah, and there's also, like, the one in the blue, like, counter legendary creature. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ta- ability. Tail's End? Tail's End. I knew it was Something's End. Yep. Uh, yeah, so something like that. A yep. stifling effect. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is something that came up either on the pre-show or, like, on the show, is when officially are your creatures not blocked? Well, when it's after blocks. Yes. So... Uh, the, I, the text on the card is unblocked, not not blocked. Yes. So in order for a creature to be unblocked, blocks have to have been declared. Yes. Yeah, so there was a story that I told that uh, when, uh, my opponent went to combat and I tried to kill this creature in combat and he's like, can I ninjutsu it? And I was like, no, because we haven't gone to blockers. So like it can't be unblocked because I never had the ability to block it. Right. And uh, I was like, when I and I was... This was years ago. This was Modern Horizons 1 pre-release or something. Ooh. Or like a Modern Horizons 1 draft. Yeah. And I was like, oh, did I like cheat this person? But no, I did not. I played by the rules. <laughs> like, I still think of that and go like, oh, I think I might have screwed that up. Uh, right. But I did not. So, yeah. you, can't so ninj- yeah. you can't ninjutsu your stuff until after blockers. So, if you want to use a removal spell in combat if they if you have well, uh, hang on B- before we okay. get there let, let's tell them how ninjutsu works okay we didn't do that okay sorry nope we didn't do that so, so after blocks are declared you have an un- you now have an unblocked creature you will pay the ninjutsu cost and return the unblocked creature to your hand and put this whatever the ninjutsu card is into play um, returning the creature to your hand is part of the cost. So you pay the mana, return the creature, Ninjutsu goes on the stack, round of priority, creature enters a battlefield. So if they were to tails end uh, the ability, you would still have the creature in the you would creature still that, have the, the unblocked creature, that creature was not in your blocked. hand. Correct. Yep. Okay. That part's important. So <laughs> that is that is. Yep. <laughs> um, but so if you so if you're going to use a removal spell in combat, right? You mm-hmm. want to do it before blockers, because let's say you're like no blocks. You know, normally you would do that so that you could see if they're going to use a pump spell. Right? Mm-hmm. But you're like no blocks, and they're like okay, pass, and you're like all right, doom blade your creature. Right yep. now. They can, in response, ninjutsu that creature out. So if you're going to use your Doom Blade, you need to use it before blockers because they can't use ninjutsu as effectively a combat trick. Correct. Um, With ninjutsu, it's really important to understand like how the entire combat step works. There's parts of combat that kind of get skipped over pretty frequently, and if you're going to use ninjutsu to like your fullest capabilities, 
it's important to know like all of the timing throughout the combos or throughout the combat step. Um, again, that video that I referenced kind of has a visual breakdown of the whole combat step and like what happens where. So if you're lost, go check that video out. Or we did do an episode over the summer in our learn to play series where we talked all about the combat step. So you so can reference back to that episode also. I was just thinking, and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess this means um, that at the uh, the end of combat step, after mm-hmm. damage, you could ninjutsu your creature out. You sure can. Because it's still in combat and unblocked. Yep. We're going to get there. That's on my list here to talk about. Oh, man. <laughs> so the first thing that you can do with ninjutsu is... Pay your ninjutsu cost, return the creature to your hand, put the ninja into into play, and then there's another round of priority before you go to damage. If you have another ninjutsu card in your hand, you can then ninjutsu again, take that ninja that just entered the battlefield, put it back in your hand, put the new ninja out. And provided you have mana to do all this, you can just keep doing that. So if you have something that cares about creatures entering the battlefield, like Prosperous Innkeeper that we just talked about, you can you know, go to combat, go to blocks. If you have an unblocked creature, ninja something out, gain a life. Ninja a different card out, gain a life. Ninja the first card out, gain a life. And repeat until you run out of mana. Gotcha. So, so- that's kind of tricky. So I guess it also, like, so again, as, like, the defending player, you can't be like, oh, once they ninjutsu it, I can, you know, I can kill it. Because it, let's say they ninjutsu out a ninja, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, okay, kill your thing. They can be like, cool, I will put the ninja that was originally in play back and pick up this one you're trying to kill. Yeah, it, yeah. Yep, as long as you have, as long as two of the creatures involved have ninjutsu and you have mana, you can kind of swap them out indefinitely. Gotcha. So, because that creature is still unblocked and you can nin- you ninjutsu it at instant speed. Yeah. Kind of tricky. If you Very have like tricky. a great henge out, like that's super value because you the ninja enters a battlefield, enters with a counter it enters, you put a counter on it, draw a card, you ninja again put a counter on it, draw a card, put a ninja on it again, put a counter on it, draw a card. It's a whole lot of value. And then if you have like an Ozolith, like all those counters go to the Ozolith. Crazy. It's all of the value. All of the value. (laughs) So the next thing that you were kind of just alluding to is you can ninjutsu at the end of combat. So you have a you have your creature that has it, this step is kind of always forgotten about the end of combat phase. Happens after damage is dealt, but you're still in combat. The creature is still unblocked because you're still in the combat phase. So say you have like a big 7-7 seven, seven, and you really don't want to give up that 7 damage to ninja in your 1-1. One, one. 
you can let the creature go to damage, crack in for seven, and then ninja out your 1-1 during your end of combat phase because that creature's still attacking. So, like, ninjutsu is usually a reduced cost from, like, the face value of the card. So, again, say you had the 7-7 and you were going to cast your the ninja that's in your hand, but the casting cost is 4 and, you know, it ninjas out for 2 mana you can save two mana by instead of just paying the casting cost for it, ninjutsuing it out like during the end of combat phase. So it lets you get, it lets you save, save your mana a little bit, maybe use it for a different spell or something. Um, another way you can use this is to protect the creature that dealt the damage from a wrath effect, either your own or your opponents. So if you have a big seven, seven, you crack in with it, let it deal its damage. Then at the end of, um, during the end of combat phase, you ninja out something that you don't care about. Then either you're free to sweep the board. Like if your opponent's got a big board, you just traded a bunch of stuff off and cracked in and you want to save that creature. You ninja it out, bring that big creature back to your hand, sweep the board, and then it's clear and you still got your threat in your hand. Gotcha. You can also do it to protect your creature from your opponent's wrath. Like if you know your opponent's got a wrath, you want to save your big beater, you ninja out something that you don't care about, let your opponent waste their wrath, and then you know put your big threat out again. There's also a uh, like sorcerer speed removal just in general. There's a uncommon that's like white, white. It's like destroy an artifact, enchantment, or tapped creature. Right, so oh, that yep. like that big important creature, you could put it back in your hand, and like if you, and then, uh, you know, always keep it hidden from, or try to keep it hidden from, uh, uh sorcery speed removal. So now, like the next turn, they have yep. to use that spell on something that is less good. Yep. Uh, and then you still can like find a way to get that creature back on the battlefield uh, via ninjutsu later on. Yeah, Blizzard Bro sorcery speed, right? It is. Yeah, I mean, that sees a ton of play. And, like, all the Planeswalkers, well, not all most. of them anymore, but, yeah, most Planeswalkers, their kill-a-creature ability is at sorcery speed. So, you know, if your opponent has a Vraska out, you can kind of save your threat from the Vraska. And then I like your, uh, what's this, um, your first strike thing. This is good, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah, so... If you have a creature with first strike that's attacking and you go, you know, go through combat, they declare no blocks, you crack in for your first strike damage, you can then ninjutsu in your ninja. It, um, I'm assuming, doesn't have first strike because that would be really weird for a card with ninjutsu to have first strike. I don't, you'd, that would be some weird timing stuff that I don't think they would print. Um, but you ninjutsu in the creature, then you go to regular damage, and that creature will hit. So you kind of double dip a little bit. Your first creature connects, and then you ninja out your new one, and then your new creature connects. It's like build so your own double strike. Through. Yeah, kind of, sort of. You're just like, all right, we're going to like staple double strike on this thing. Yep. By just getting, I get two, I get two hits out of it. Yep. Pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. So this is... 
an activate ninjutsu is an activated ability, just like it our is. next thing, which is the other returning mechanic that no one knew was a returning mechanic, <laughs> uh, which is channel. Yeah. So channel uh, is basically a card in your hand has an activated ability mm-hmm. that kind of lets you have a spell like effect or in the case of the cards uh, this time around it is just a spell well it is a spell but it's not a you're not you don't cast it you don't cast it it's an activated ability so you're getting a spell like effect right that is uncounterable and in the course uh in in the in this set that is on a land yeah. So you can kind of think of these as like MDFCs. They're not all on lands. There are there. Oh no, you're right. There are some creatures that have. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah there are some creatures. Yeah. Uh, the sorry, the big busted ones are on lands. <laughs> the ones that you're like, why? So the yep. lands you can think of as like MDFCs, where it's like, oh, sometimes I'm gonna want this to be a land, and sometimes mm-hmm. I'm gonna want this to be a spell. Yep. Um, and like for, I don't know, four of these, or at least three that I know for sure, they are costed reasonably. And one of them is under costed by two mana compared to all the other ones. (laughs) Yeah. And it's going to be a problem. Uh, but so you like have that, like, oh, do I want to keep it for my spell or I want to keep it for the, uh, the the channel ability or do I want to keep it for my land drop? And then the creatures... Uh, the one there's a couple that are like I'm a small creature, but then like with a low casting cost, but I also have a like larger uh, channel ability. Channel ability, yeah. Yeah, it's like I'm a two mana two two, but for five mana I can destroy a creature with power four or greater or something. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, do I want it to be a two mana two two, or do I want to hold on to this and have it be a five mana removal spell? Right, and that gives you a lot of play, and it also, you know, lets it so, uh, right, when your two mana 2-2 is bad on turn eight. Mm -hmm. The card still has some utility. Yeah, the channel ability is still perhaps good. So these are, uh, well, using the MDFC analogy for the lands, these are all just kind of split cards. Yep. Right? It's like creature or the spell stapled to it. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, the uncounterable activated ability spell, in air quotes. Yep. Right? Because there's um, one that's like a six mana, like six six or whatever, the, the Tanuki guy. But also yeah, yeah, cha- yeah. for three mana for like two and a green channels to like go get a land and like put it on the battlefield or put it in your yeah. hand or something. Yep. Right? The so six it- mana, six five trample that channels for two and a green and you go get a land and put it on the battlefield. Yeah. So it's like, well, on turn three, it's your ramp spell. But mm-hmm. if you draw it on turn seven, it's your uh, it's your finisher. Mm-hmm. So it's m- more balanced than um, the Jolly Green Giant, but Beanstalk Giant, right? Yeah. Where it's like, uh, it's both your ramp spell <laughs> and, your, and your finisher. Here you at least have to make a choice. Yeah. Right. Well, do, do I do I think I can get to six, or do I need this to uh, get me to six? Hmm. So um, one thing to note with channel is that it's like cycling, where 
you pay the cost and discard the card and then you get the effect. Okay. So like things that care about discarding cards gotcha. channel works with. So just keep that in mind also. Um, I can't think of too many off the top of my head, but like not that are currently in standard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, these are, there's a, there's like the lands and then is there's like a couple in each color, right? Yeah, there was a there was an aura that I saw. I think was spoiled today. Okay, yeah, there's. There, it feels like there's like a reasonable number of these. Yeah. So like it it does the thing where like it makes your cards live in more situations, mm-hmm. which is like great for limited. Yep. Um. You know, it just it also just kind of adds like a lot of complexity to things. Yes. Well, like all of these are adding a lot of complexity. Like ninjutsu is super complicated. Yeah. Like I don't reconfigure is super complicated. I don't know if there is just like a, like grizzly bear in this set. Yeah. Maybe there's not. Everything just has like a pile of, of text associated with it. There was one card I thought was funny. It was a ninja and they showed like the showcase frame of it and the only thing that was in the text box was ninjutsu three in a black that would That's be <laughs> oh gosh uh i was gonna just like confidently read it as i just found it but it's like dokuchi yeah dokuchi shadow walker for black black for a five five and it's just ninjutsu three in a black Yep. <laughs> it's like the least full text box ever printed, I think. Yeah, it's just like, we're going to put something here. Yeah, no flavor text. No flavor text, just... Nin- like no reminder some- text. Someone got to go into that cell and just hit like center vertical, center horizontal, <laughs> boom, done. Uh, we're going to make it look good. Um, but I mean, think about like, Four mana, like six mana, five, five vanilla mm-hmm. is a little below rate for black, but not yep. much. Right. Right. So like you're getting the, the ability to do this on turn like four, mm-hmm. almost as a free roll. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're not paying a, a really a tax. And on it's the... like kind of hasty on turn four. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're like, oh, I'm at. I'm at 15. I don't need to block. I'll take one. And you're like, oh, I'm at 10 now. Yeah. Like, I and there's think a so- giant threat on the other side of the board. Yeah. I think someone on Discord was like, this will end limited games. Oh, 100%. I think right. I said that. Yeah. Okay. It was just like, yeah, you sh- <laughs> I couldn't remember who it was. You're a very yeah. wise man. It's just like, I'm at five. Yeah. I don't need to block. I'll win on the, oh, no. I'm oh, dead. no. <laughs> I am now officially done. Yeah. This is awful. I mean, I plan on ending limited games with it, so. <laughs> yes. I know it's going to end some. You're like, the ones I am in are the ones that are going to end with this. Thank you yeah. very, very much. it's a common. Yes, it is a common. It is a, like, if you do not block and you're at five, there is a good yeah. chance that you're going to get walloped by this and be like, oh. Yeah, I, I mean, guess- it's completely reasonable for you to end up with, like, two or three of these in your black deck. Yes, agree. It just seems like, oh yeah, like this is a thing that will just like happen. 
Yeah. Um, so I added a couple other, like, maybe not full-on mechanics, but things that we should, like, touch on. Sure. So uh, the shrines are returning, a Kamigawa staple. Yeah, kind of, sort of. So instead of being just buildings, they're now living creature buildings. So they're all legendary enchantment creatures. Mm -hmm. And then they are legendary enchantment creature dash shrine. And so there are a lot of people that thought that shrine was a creature type. But Which would mean that, like, all the changelings are also shrines. Yes. But shrines, shrine in this case is referring to the artifact, sorry, to the enchantment type. Yeah. The type Which of enchant- is weird because then the creature has no type. Is this, yes. like, the only creature that's ever existed with no creature type? It's Nameless Race. Is the oh, other yeah, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yep. Is what Morrow had said. It was Nameless Race. The This... And someone pointed out that, like, technically morphs have no creature type, but they're... Yeah, but morphs aren't a card. Yeah, morphs aren't a card. Fair. Um, Yeah, I think he said it was Nameless Race. There might be, like, one other, but Nameless Race was the one that Morrow brought up. So it's similar to, so, like, uh, Ginger Brute. Mm -hmm. Ginger Brute is a food golem. food golem. Right, so the artifact type is food, and the creature type is golem. And yep. there's like, is it Clue Mirror from Modern Horizons 2? It is like a clue. Oh, yeah, yeah. A clue. Like its creature type is Clue Mirror or something. Yeah. Right? It's an artifact creature. The artifact is a clue. And then it has a creature type. Yep. So people were thrown off by the fact that this only has shrine and then no creature type. Right. And I think for as whatever rationale they want to come up with for this i think the real rationale is they ran out of, ran out of space pipeline. yes yeah. <laughs> the pipeline was full legendary enchantment creature is like two-thirds or three-quarters of the pipeline yeah they only had room for five more characters yes they were like we can fit shrine in here uh but i want it to be like a shrine dog i said i can fit <laughs> shrine in here yeah Okay, I guess we need to have the shrine in there because these all care about how many other shrines you have. The intern they've got working in templating is overworked and couldn't do it, and Chad wouldn't spring for a new one. So, yeah. bro, I don't care, bro. I don't know <laughs> how to play this game, bro. Dude, don't know how to play it. Too many letters already. Yeah, bro, words are hard, man. <laughs> um, now if we could, if it could have been. Legendary enchantment creature shrine, bro. Then Chad's <laughs> be all in. about it. Bro, it's my favorite type of card, bro. It's a bro. <laughs> it's a bro. Bro. Bro, I got your back, bro. Alright. <laughs> so then this is a seemingly the last one is seemingly like a one off. Yeah, I don't think this is gonna be on any of their cards in this set. Yeah. But I so we have completed um, it's weird that they like named this also. Well, like, it's kind of self-explanatory. It is. I think so. 
Uh, they have one card. Um, yeah. uh, Tamio, is it Completed Sage? Is that her name? Yeah, I think so. Uh, has hybrid Phyrexian mana. Mm-hmm. So her cost is like two blue hybrid Phyrexian blue-green. Mm-hmm. Green. Yep. And so the completed mechanic says if you paid the the hybrid blue green cost with two life, like the Phyrexian cost, yeah, uh, she's a little bit worse. So if you get her a turn early instead of on turn five, you get her on turn four. Uh, right. Instead of paying, instead oh, of yeah, tapping, yeah, okay. instead of tapping five mana sources and getting a five mana planeswalker. You tapped four mana sources and paid two life. You get a slightly downgraded version of the card. It comes in with two less loyalty. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't realize that was part of like the completed keyword. I thought that was its own text line. I thought it was part of the completed. Like Yeah, I, I just looked it up. It is. So, right, this is, again, probably just a one-off until like next year when they're like, we're going back to Phyrexia. Let's go. Yep. Until we um, get completed uh, to bolt. Yeah. Or Gideon really wasn't dead. Gideon just got Ooh. sucked into like Phyrexian world. Oh, don't do him like that. That's dirty. <laughs> hey, man. This is. Magic has like basically just become like a comic book. No one's really dead. <laughs> Like, you don't know what side anyone is on. Oh, so Dak's coming back? Hey, man, Dak could come back. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Venser? Venser, the red one, Koth. Well, we don't know that Koth is dead. I thought he was. No, he was left on New Phyrexia, but was not confirmed dead. Gotcha, okay. Um, But, yeah, they're... Perfect. We left Koth on New Phyrexia. Boom. Completed Koth. Yep. Uh, so this is the first time we've seen Phyrexian mana in a super long time. Because yeah, it is... I mean, we didn't even get any like in the, the Modern Horizon sets, right? Oh, yeah, yeah we did on um, Yagmoth. Yag. Oh, no, 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 no. No, Yagmoth didn't have Phyrexian mana. Did not. Uh, yeah, I don't think there was. I don't yeah. know. There was um one of the commander decks had a new commander with Phyrexian mana. It was like two Phyrexian, 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 Phyrexian. Like you could pay like yeah, yeah. Like it was like get them on turn two, but you pay eight life. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So it's uh, it's not something they do very often because it is you know busted. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Very, very, very busted. Anything so, that reduces cost is very dangerous. Yes. So, huh. So I was looking on Scryfall. I was like, oh, can I find like, uh, like just for a Phyrexian mana symbol? But they actually, they only have them as like color in Phyrexian, not. Just generic, like I want all the Phyrexian mana cards. Yeah, because I wanted to see if there was one from Modern Horizons. But 
Yeah, like, it's probably just going to be a one-off on this card to, like, you know, it's setting something up, like, going forward. Mm-hmm. But if, when you see the weird symbol, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Phyrexian mana. Okay, cool. Uh, and I'm sure, like, on Arena, it'll hold your hand and ask you how you want to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like on Magic Online where you have to click yourself to yeah. deal yourself to damage <laughs> as part of as part of paying costs. Yeah. Um I don't know how it's going to play out, but typically just paying the two life even though you're getting a slightly like reduced version of the card is probably better. Uh like I guess I don't know what her plus is off offhand. Be like, how how badly do I want to do this plus? Oh, it like taps something down? Yeah, I, I think the problem you run into is the minus, though, because the minus um, reanimates something, basically. Yeah. And it's got to be mana value for the negative. So I think like it coming in a turn early with two less loyalty is kind of a big deal if you're trying to reanimate stuff. But like I think the the other thing is is like your opponent has a uh, just ninjutsu in a five five on turn four, yeah, right. And you're like, well, I can hold my Tamio for another turn to get two more loyalty, or I can play it a turn early and save myself uh, net three life by then yeah. keeping this giant five five tapped. So I think yeah, it's contextual, maybe. but usually. Usually, the lesson from Phyrexian Mana is just pay the life. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The only uh, life point that matters is your last one. Yeah. So this might this might be different just because of the completed mechanic and how it makes your, your uh, card a little bit worse. But yeah. uh, you can, you can uh, venture into the fun world of, I'm just going to pay life for this. This is great. I will kill your creature for... One and four life. <laughs> what was um? So I remember Logan telling me about this years ago. Now, back when birthing pod was still legal. Yeah. Uh, it was like uh, I don't know if it's a birthing pod mirror, but uh, it was like game two, and the a birthing pod player was like land, uh, birds of paradise. So that mm-hmm. start would let you get birthing pod on the battlefield on turn two. Hmm. Uh, and their opponent went, uh, fetch, shock, dismember your bird. So they took seven, they, they paid seven life to kill a bird on turn one. Holy moly. Uh, so yeah, life doesn't matter until you're dead. (laughs) But yeah, so don't, now you know Phyrexian mana and that shrine is not a creature type, so... You can you can smack all your friends down. They're like, oh, all my changelings are shrines. You can be like, no, <laughs> they are not. Uh, they just ran out of space. <laughs> yeah, like that is. Sorry, changelings. Yeah, they're gonna try to like like I said, they're gonna try to dress it up in some other way. But it's like, no, you just literally ran out of space for this on your card. Yep. You you can't fool us wizards. No as space much as on you may card. try. Yes, no space on this card. Um 
Yeah. So you got anything else you want to add in here about uh, Kamigawa mechanics? I I don't think. Um, like we said, there's a lot going on. I feel like maybe because um, like Crimson Val kind of stole like half the mechanics from Midnight Hunt. Yeah. Like it didn't feel like there was a lot going on. And I feel like the Midnight Hunt, even the Midnight Hunt mechanics were pretty straightforward like day night is like an in-person tracking nightmare but yeah. like the other mechanics seemed pretty it was like deal damage to your opponent or uh what like this is a creature and it becomes a creature again from the graveyard kind of deal yeah. and like it seemed pretty straightforward rock yeah these these like like we tried to point out there's a lot of like fiddly timing restriction restrictions yeah. And stuff like that. So Oh, that's one thing that we didn't mention about reconfigure. Is as that a you can only Yeah, you can only reconfigure as a sorcery. And like you can think of it just as like equipping. Yep. In in terms of like what the timing restrictions are for an equipment. Yep. So But yeah, it is uh there is a lot going on and um I know that like this gets said about like every set this set feels like it has if not being like overall super powerful it feels like there's a couple there's been a couple outliers that you're like hmm this seems really good so yeah there's a lot of cards that i think seem good but i don't and i don't know maybe i felt this way actually i think i did feel this way about throne too like first impressions of that set wasn't that it was super overpowered but hey, we got and we'll tell that uh yes that is was not the case we got um i think that on the podcast we got adventure creatures right yeah and i think we we got oko right in terms of like what are you supposed to do against this card yeah uh now yeah, but i meant like how many cards out of that set were problematic uh and like i think that we saw the set as you know definitely some powerful things to do but i don't know that we saw the the entire set as being problematic no no we we did not like i think like i know for a fact that i was like you know oh man ember cleave Who's playing a six mana equipment? It's like, no, it's just always two mana and it always kills you. Yeah. It's just like, I think that's exactly what we said about it is that you're going to lose so many games out of nowhere to that card. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of cards that like just were like that were like we missed or didn't see how powerful they were in context. Yeah. But like this, this I said, it kind of reminds me of um, uh, Theros in that mm-hmm. you know well once we go through the cards next week you'll see some of it there's so much text on these cards yeah that not counting just our ninjutsu three and a black there's so much text <laughs> text on the cards and so many moving parts that i think it's easy to see like someone missing something yeah or they're being like you know being off like ever so slightly you know, something that costs one of the green, maybe it should have cost two and a green, really. Yeah. Uh, and like missing that and just being like, oh no. 
Like, so, as spoilers go on, like, I guess spoilers will be done when this comes out. Like, I would go through the set file and just be like, okay, what are some of these wordy things that, you know, mm-hmm. might have gotten missed? Or, you know, look just look interesting and are, like, weird. Yeah, and if you come across something like that, again, Let put it know. up on our Discord. Yeah, we'd... Uh... We'd love to talk about it on the show, especially if there's something like specific, like if you read a card and say, I'm interested in how, you know, this interacts with this card, like a story weave. Say you're really interested in story weave. It was just spoiled Uh, two and a green for a modal instant. You can either put two plus one plus one counters on a creature you control, or you put two lore counters on a saga saga you control. And the next time one or more enchantment creatures enter the battlefield under your control this turn, each enters with two additional plus one plus one counters on it. So I think I had mentioned in the, was it the pre-show we were talking about this? Mm-hmm. I think um, so. If you use this with um, the Eldest Reborn and you use the last chapter in Eldest Reborn to reanimate an enchantment creature you get to go all the way through Eldest Reborn plus put two plus one plus one counters on that enchantment creature, which is kind of like a neat interaction. Like the card is meant to be used to flip one of the sagas from this set and then make the creature on the backside better, but it can also work with some of the older stuff. So if you think of an interaction like that, you want us to talk about, like make a little note next to the card so so I know where your mind's at. Yeah, let us know. Because it'll be interesting to see because there, there are some cards that are definitely interesting for us. But we want to make sure we hit all the stuff for you. Yeah. So. Or I guess uh, like Elspeth Conquers Death does the same thing, right? Kind of. Reanimates is the last chapter. And if you reanimate an enchantment creature. Yeah, it would because doesn't it come back with like a plus one plus one counter or a loyalty counter if it's a planeswalker? Yeah. So then you would so just get like. Three plus one plus one counters. Yeah, it would just get huge. Your uh, whatever your Nyx Heliod. Yeah, I was say Nyxborn Ancient or whatever. Oh yeah, that too. The, yeah, like triple all your mana and I'm like a ten ten or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with all of that, I think we have a show. Sure, we got a show. Um, so like we said, if you have any cards you want us to talk about or things you want us to go over again, uh, probably after um. After spoilers, um, you can tweet at us at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can also hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG or email us show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Don't forget about the Discord. Uh, you can post up in there anything you want us to talk about or anything you want help with or if you want us to clear up some rules or whatever. Uh, there's a link in the description. There's a link on all our social media to invite you in there. And if you're looking to pick up any singles or, you know, basically just order anything magic related, uh, we would appreciate if you use our TCG player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Follow that link. Shop like normal. When you go to check out, you'll be helping to support the show. If you want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Patrons get early access to show notes. So all the stuff today, if we confused you talking about it, patrons will get a nice little reference guide here to go back and 
kind of read what we were talking about, get a little refresher. Um, patrons also get access to our pre-show, uh, which is kind of us just, you know, hanging out, catching up, making sure all our sounds are correct, making sure our equipment's set up correctly. We record it and kind of hand it out completely unedited, raw to our patrons. They get access to that. And you get to put on my mailing list as long as you send me your address. So patrons get all that stuff, chip a couple of bucks in, help the show, help yourself. Everybody wins. Yeah. That's all I got for this week. That's all I got. So we will catch you on the internets. We'll catch you on the internets. <laughs>